Okay, come on in everyone and find your seats. First of all, I wanted to just let everyone know that um, Nick and Liz just wanted to thank everyone uh, for praying for Judah. They said that he is doing well and continuing to slowly make progress in the right direction. So please keep praying for them. Yeah. Um, so last week, Pastor Chris talked about uh, prayer, specifically praying for revival. And I thought it would be good for us to hear from some different people in our church uh, a testimony about prayer in their life, about the power of prayer in their own life. Um, in the book of Revelation, it says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And basically what that means is that when we hear about what Jesus has done in someone else's life, it can prophesy to us about our own life. It can encourage us and speak to us about what Jesus can do in our life. And um, if God has done something for someone else, then what's to say he can't do that for you? And so many of us, when we get in a place of need, what we tend to do or going through a tough situation, what we tend to do is to withdraw. We tend to like be a turtle and like pull our head in our shell and kind of hide. But really, one of the best things we can do when we're struggling or going through a challenging situation is to get around other people and hear about when they were in a challenging situation and how God carried them through that. So this morning we're going to hear from uh, a few different people about a time where um, God answered prayer in their life. Okay? You go first. Hi. Good morning. Hi, Kev. Hi, Susan. <laughs> um, so John had uh, emailed some folks and asked about um, you know, a, a testimony of, of prayer. And my mind was on, um, similar to what Pastor preached on last week, Pastor Chris preached on revival, particularly revival in Warsaw. And that uh, is typically something that I'm carrying um, and praying, and we pray here uh, often Wednesday mornings for exactly that. And, uh, and so when John sent that email a couple weeks ago, I was like... Um, thinking about the, the events and the testimonies I could bring about prayer and interaction with people in Warsaw and, you know, the outcomes. And so I, I you know, and I knew that there were some, so I thought, sure, you know, I can, I can do that. And I was immediately challenged. I felt like the Lord said, I don't want you to think of something that already happened. I want you to pray now. You have, um, gosh, a week and a half. You have a week and a half to see me move. Will you believe me if you pray now for what is in your heart related to Warsaw? And I'm like, okay, so I will agree to the, I will agree to give a testimony, but I actually don't have that one yet. That's what I felt at the time, and I and I told Pastor Jonathan exactly that. I said, I this is what I feel. I feel like the Lord said, don't look back for the testimony, although that's fine. That's a fine thing to do. He was asking me to believe now and today for prayer for something to happen to give a testimony on this day, June 10th. So I said, all right, uh, okay, and uh, we'll see what happens. And I, I would say that within probably, uh, I don't remember the time frame, but it, it was only a couple of hours. Um, I happened to meet a young woman in her 20s who lives in the village of Warsaw. She had, um, you know, in the course of conversation with her, I discovered that she'd um, 
she was struggling quite a bit at home and needed to, um, she needed to get her boyfriend out of the house because he was abusive. And as a result, she didn't have custody of her child. Her mother, who also lives in Warsaw, has the custody of the child. I'm being very vague about who this is because <laughs> I, um, I want to, you know, I want to protect her privacy. It's not anybody that you know or anything like that that, that I know of, but uh, it's, a, it's a tiny community. So uh, when I talked with her and, and she shared this heartache with me, and it was really quite uh, heavy, um, and sh she wanted her daughter back, but uh, she knew that it was also difficult because this man was threatening. And so there were the court system was involved and things like that, and it was really, really rough. And it, as I continued to ask her and just share a little bit more, have her share a little bit more about her life with me, hoping that she'd trust me to talk and open up, she told me that she had um, really had a life of abuse and so severe from her dad that she suffered from PTSD and was under a number of um, medications to help uh, deal with anxiety and depression. In addition to that, she's about nine months off of heroin. She'd been an addict for a couple of years and uh, really, really worked hard through rehab, an inpatient rehab program that helped her get free, but she had lapsed a couple of times, and the last time was last August. I'm giving you all these details because, um, partly because this person lives in Warsaw, and that's just one person. And in a couple of hours of the Lord saying, challenge me on this, I was able to meet somebody who really needs Jesus. And that's exactly how I felt. I'm like, <gasps> you know, take the, take the, just the suck the air out of me. Like, oh God. Now the answer to prayer was that the Lord put this woman in front of me. You know, I prayed, dear God, okay, you want to do something miraculous. And then he brought her within a couple of hours and we had that very um, important conversation, and I s asked her about her faith. Do you believe in God? Do you have a, a, a structure of belief? Well, I believe in a higher power. I often say, so do I. I call him God. And she said, the problem is, is that when I was raised, um, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not going to get the relationships right, but my grandmother was a Jehovah Witness, so I would go to church with her. My father was a, my, my, my father was a, Maybe it wasn't anything. Mom was a Mormon. Somebody was a Mormon. And then somebody else was a Baptist, I think. Something like that. And she just felt like um, they all taught different things, but they're all absolutely confident about their things, and I'm jumping out of the ship. I don't want that. That's crazy. And it felt like a lot of works. It felt like a real, like a lot of hoops to jump through and didn't hear about the love of God uh, growing up that wasn't a thing for her and so I I said you know the Lord isn't about that do you believe that things happen for a reason she said yeah I said I do too I th I think we're meeting on purpose and I think it's partly because you, he wants you to know how much he loves you and that's a message that's been lost along the way and she nodded her head and she really appreciated it um that was uh, because of the time constraint. That was the end of that conversation. But uh, uh, thankfully, sh I, I really reached out. I said, please call me and, you know, um, let's connect again. And she said, yes, yeah, yes. 
Um, and I'm grateful to say that she called me on Thursday, this past Thursday. We were able to talk again, Wednesday, and we were able to talk again a little bit. And she seemed genuinely, like, glad to connect. And I said, maybe we could go out for coffee or something. And, um, you know, at Tim Hortons or something. She goes, yeah, I would really like that. So I don't have the fulfillment of what I'm looking for from, from the Lord in this life. I want her to, to, to surrender to the love of God. But I'm, I'm deconstructing it, showing you that we're kind of still in there and pray with me for her. Um, but that's how he does this. It's a childlike faith. Challenge me on this. Test me in this. See if I won't answer you and give you the desires of your heart. And uh, and he's doing it. And so the testimony here is you're just seeing some of it. You know, you're seeing the blooming of it. And we're not on the other end yet. But I'm confident that we will be. I really am um, confident. So thanks for listening. Who's next? So to run completely opposite of Kathy, actually, um, <clears throat> when we got the message from John, I kept on thinking of little things that have happened throughout my walk. Um, times my gas tank was more full than it was supposed to be and took me further than it was supposed to, or conversations that I was like, Lord, please orchestrate so that I can have this specific conversation, and then those exact words would come out in conversation. Um, so little things like that, but started realizing each of those is very much part of a bigger picture, um, and especially throughout this morning, the Lord was like, Let's talk a little bit about that bigger picture. Um, so mine is actually one where it started in prayer um, and not my own. Um, my sister-in-law, I have no doubt, was praying for me long before I became a Christian. Um, I wanted to not be alive anymore, and she was like, nope, I'm going to fight for you. Um, Jesus stepped in, salvation. Um, and then from that point throughout, um, my prayer has been, Lord, like, let my life and the things that I've gone through, that 19 years it took me to the point of not wanting to live anymore, let that speak to somebody else. Like, this shouldn't be all for nothing. This shouldn't be just for me. That's, it doesn't seem worth it. Um, and so probably 10 years of walking with actually a number of people in this church, knowing that I've been prayed for um, continuously far more than I could possibly probably imagine um, through some pretty difficult stuff getting to the root of it, um, being able to for forgive the man that shattered my family um, and just kind of turn away from that and be like, all right. Like, <laughs> I had heard at one point that he um, was injured while he was in prison. And somebody was like, oh, it's what he deserves. And I was like, no, like, this isn't what we hope for people. Like, he needs salvation. He needs Jesus. And the fact that that could be my response isn't like something that I did. It's, it's the work of God in my life. Um, and now I get to see it. You know, I was praying 10 years ago when this all started, Lord, let this mean something. I now am a therapist. I go into homes and I work with kids in broken families who have no sense of value, no sense of self. This is my job. This is what I get paid to do is to be Jesus to these kids. Like, it's just insane. That's how he chooses to answer prayer. I get to go to camp and talk to 14 and 15 year old girls who have no concept of who they are in Christ. And teach them, like, this is why you have value. This is what you need. It's mind-boggling. Um. <laughs> and then in, <clears throat> excuse me, 
me. In my family, I've seen in the last probably five years that I've been praying far more focused for, especially my dad. Um, not a Christian. Nobody in the older generations that I know of are Christians. Um, actually had a conversation with Kathy earlier in the week looking at, you know, brokenness goes down from generation to generation to generation, but salvation goes up. And I'm seeing it. He is not that I know of at the point of choosing Jesus yet, but I've seen his life transform. Because where we go, the Holy Spirit goes, and he changes things. Whether we choose it or not, whether we decide to recognize that or not, my father has become a man of patience and kindness, and he's always been a generous man, but the way that he does that, there's no, there's no like, he chose to do this. It is the work of God in his life because of my prayer, the prayer of my siblings, the prayer of some people here that is doing that in his life. It is, it is the, um, the choosing and the submitting day by day, choice by choice, prayer by prayer that is transforming the lives of the kids that I work with, the lives of the kids at camp, and the lives of my family going up and down the generations. It works. Thanks. So um, you might think that since I'm a nurse, my story is going to be about a kid that was healed. I've seen a lot of those, and I'm grateful for it. God's done amazing miracles. Even in Judah, so many of you are praying for him, and he shouldn't be the five-year-old kid that he is, so I'm grateful for that. But that's not the story that I want to tell you. Mine is kind of the opposite of Kathy's story. She told you the beginning when we're in the midst of asking God for something. Mine is the other end of it. So um, when I was in high school, I went to a public high school, was a Christian at that time, and probably one of very few in my high school class. And so we would all go to our youth groups, you know, from our various high schools, and we would pray for the kids in our school, and we would ask God to save them. And as a teenager, it was hard to know what that looked like. You know, we didn't have the breadth of experience to say, God, I know you're going to do this because I've seen you do it before. Some of us had a hard time with that. So um, there was one particular friend that I had, his name was Tom, and we were friends for all of school growing up, and I knew the Lord wanted to save him. I knew he had a plan for him, but it just looked pretty hopeless. It looked like he had no interest at all in knowing God, and so I just kept praying for him, and we graduated from high school, and we kept in touch a little bit as we were in college, but as people tend to do, we kind of lost touch. But I kept praying for him, probably not nearly as frequently as I ought to have, but every few months, the Lord would bring him to my mind, and I would say, oh, God, I don't, I don't even know where he is, but if you haven't saved him, find him, reach him, he needs you. And um, I knew when we had graduated from high school that he was very smart, and he was accepted in the um, United States Air Force Academy as a cadet, and then... I had heard sort of through the grapevine that he had graduated and became an officer in the Air Force. So fast forward about probably 10 years, um, he found me on Facebook, and I was like, oh, my friend Tom. And the first thing that he said in a message was, did you keep praying for me after we saw each other last? And I said, hi to you too. Yeah, <laughs> I did. And he said, you're the reason that I'm here. And he told me this story that was unbelievable. He had gone through the Air Force Academy. He was an officer. 
he was very successful, but he felt absolutely hopeless. And he had many times thought that he was going to take his own life. And then he did. Well, he tried. And he was unsuccessful. I'm grateful. He had harmed himself badly, so he was hospitalized. And then once he was medically stable, he moved to a psych hospital where he stayed for a period of time. And <laughs> this is funny. He had a roommate in that hospital who was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. And in my friend Tom's words, he was very hard to live with. <laughs> he had lots and lots of challenges, and they shared this room that had two twin beds and one dresser, and they spent a lot of time together. And Tom really didn't want anything to do with this. He was angry that he was still alive, as someone who was that hopeless and desperate might feel. Well, this guy who he said couldn't have a, like a substantive conversation with anybody, he was very sick, had a Bible in his room. And at night, he wouldn't sleep. He would just read the Bible out loud, just one verse and then skip ahead and another verse. In our minds, it would make no sense. But to this man, Tom, who was so desperately hopeless, the Lord used this other man who in our minds had no sense preaching to anybody to read every verse that Tom needed to hear that there was hope for him, that he could be loved, that he could have purpose, that he could be someone that shows the love of God to somebody else. And do you know that Tom, in that room, in a psychiatric hospital with a man next to him who couldn't say his own name, prayed and asked the Lord to save him. And he has now gone on to go to seminary. He is a minister now. He works with other people in the military. It's so amazing. And that was years of praying for somebody. So my encouragement to you is, we don't know. We don't know the seeds that are planted. We don't know the way God works it out. And it's amazing the way that his love carries people through. So, so and John sent out an email and asked us to share. And I was like, I don't really have anything to share. I thought I was just hide and, you know, just didn't have anything specific. Then John saw me again, and he was like, well, do you have anything to share? I'm sure you have something. And this story is about how God specifically talked to me and gave me specific instructions about certain things. And it was when I finished Youth with a Mission Discipleship Training School in Amsterdam. I spent there three months. Then we went on the outreach to Africa for three months. Then I came back, graduated, went home for 10 days, came back left home, went to the States for six months, I mean, not six months, six weeks. And then I'm coming back home. It was like, I was gone for 10 months, so so many things have changed. My sister got married, uh, the youngest one, and my mom didn't actually tell me she was planning on moving to Sweden, and my older sister decided to move there. So I'm coming home, no work, no job, and I'm like, I'm supposed to take care of my two younger sisters with two of their husbands who are older than me, and take care of our house. And I was like, God, how am I supposed to do that? And I really planned to go back to Amsterdam and join the mission there, to be as a missionary there. And so I spent some time praying, and I said, I really don't know what to do next. Like, how am I supposed to take care of these people in my house? And I'm not even like, you know, I, I want to have fun. I want to travel the world. So God talked to me in prayer, and he said, you're going to stay here. You're going to spend at least one year. and." go back to your old place where you used to work with a Bible transla translation pro project. Just 
you know, go into that office and say hi to them and they'll offer you a job. It will be a $500 job a month. At that time, it was a lot of money, but not a lot right now. And so I decided to go because I had some stuff that I brought from the States for people who are missionaries there. And I just decided to, you know, do what God said. I walked in and I said hi, and they were like so welcoming. And I had known that they just uh, fired a couple translators. And I was like, what am I supposed to do? Like, the only thing that I can offer is like help them with their administration or translation of the Bible. That's all I can do. Um, and so they were just talking to me so nice and so polite. And they were like, so what are your plans now that you are back? I was like, well, I'm looking for a job. And they're like, okay, we have a job for you. <laughs> <laughs> if you're willing to take it, it's going to be $500 a month. I was like, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> so I spent a year there. And then at the end of that year, things started to change. And I was like, what's happening, God? And he's like, well, remember I told you you're going to be here just for one year. So it's time for you to move on. And so then I moved on from there to, um, I think I worked with another project with YOM, but in Kazakhstan. And then I got a job with Korean oil company and then with the embassy, the U.S. embassy. And so throughout, throughout this whole time, God has really been taking care of me. And I thought, but I really want to be in the mission field. And so he said, well, your mission field is your home country right now. And then, you know, he sp spoke to me about Sarah, that she is going to be my wife, which I did not believe, and it did happen. So my current mission field is Warsaw, New York. <laughs> and so it's just like throughout this whole time, I thought, how is it that God, you know, like talks to you? And some people ask me, and I was like, I can't explain this. It's just like, it's definitely an audible voice, but it's something in between my head and my heart that you can hear that. And he gives you details, detailed instructions if you are willing to hear his voice. Amen. The testimony that I want to share about prayer is a little more personal. I, uh, I grew up in the church. I grew up as a believer, and uh, so I'm very familiar with prayer. I've been, you know, someone who's learned a lot about prayer and been, you know, doing that for a lot, lot of my life. <clears throat> a couple of years ago, I hit kind of a dry season. I kind of felt kind of distant from God, and um, I'm sure if you've, been a, if you've been a believer, if you've walked with God for any amount of time, you've probably gone through a similar season where you just sort of felt distant. But what was a little bit unusual about this is that... Um, the whole time, I sort of had maintained um, what for me was a fairly strong, uh, like a lot of spiritual activity, let's call it that, where I would spend time in prayer in the morning. I would spend time in the Word. I was always coming to church. I was doing a lot of those kinds of things, things that normally would connect me with God. Um, and so I would come here, I'd be in a worship service. It would be a great worship service, but I didn't really feel anything. Or I'd spend some time in prayer, journaling or something like that. I didn't really feel anything. So that was what was unusual because other times in my life when I had felt distant from God, it's because I had drifted and I had stopped doing some of those things. But in this case, I was still doing a lot of that same stuff. I just, just didn't feel the same. <clears throat> so uh, I, read the, I was reading this book. It was last, last summer. I was reading this book. And at one point it talked about prayer. And it talked about breath prayer which sounded really weird to me. It sounded kind of new agey, and I was like, 
uh, that sounds like a, you know, I don't know, no offense, it was like a girly thing to do or something. <laughs> Hope nobody was offended by that. <coughs> so I was, a little, I was a little weirded out by that, but, but I really, really wanted to connect with God. So I kept reading and kept trying to like take it seriously. And what it talked about was, it asked this question, what do you really want from God? What do you most want from God? What do you really, really want? And I started to ask myself that question. And I had to ask it over and over and over again until I finally got to the answer. And I said, God, I want to feel you. I want to feel you. Because I know that you're real. And I believe that you're real. And I believe you're listening. And I believe that you're here. But I don't feel it. And I want to feel it. <clears throat> and... Um, I was able to turn that into a breath prayer. And a breath prayer is a, is a really short prayer, maybe like five words or something like that, that you, that you just keep on your heart, you keep on your tongue, you keep, you're whispering it to yourself all of the time. And because you do that, it doesn't engage your brain as much. It engages more of your heart. Um, and so my breath prayer from that time on has been, help me know you are near. Help me know you are near. And I found myself praying that prayer more and more often um, <clears throat> because, and here's really where I'm going with this, is before that I had what I would consider a strong spiritual walk, but I was in prayer expressing what was on my mind, but I wasn't expressing what was really in my heart, which was this desperate cry for God, I want to feel you. I don't just want an intellectual relationship with you. I want a heart relationship with you. And so what's on my heart is, God, help me know you are near. Help me feel you near. <clears throat> and, I mean, it wasn't an automatic change. There's still been definitely been times where I feel like I, you know, I, I don't always feel him. But more and more that has opened the door and that has sort of changed my relationship with him. Um, so I'll jump into prayer time and I'll have a list of things to pray about or, or something I want to talk about. But I'll pause and I'll say, Lord, help me to feel you here. Uh, and, and, you know, the other place it happens is when I'm in conversation with somebody. I'll be in a conversation with somebody, and I'll, and I'll ask him, Lord, help me see you here. Help me see you in this conversation or in this relationship. Uh, sometimes I'll, I'll meet somebody new or somebody that I've been praying for or somebody like that, and I'll say, Lord, help me to see you in this. Where are you working in that? Uh, and so I feel like I felt him more, but more importantly, I feel like it sensitized me more to seeing him. It's made me more alert to where he might be. Um, so, <clears throat> Amen. All right, you guys up for another testimony? Okay. So, first of all, my testimony is from a long time ago. First of all, just the fact that I went to Elam was probably a huge answer to prayer to my parents. And a miracle on a, lo a lot of levels. So I went to Elam, which is a Bible school. Um, and uh, I, had, I don't know why this was so important to me, but other than something that my parents like ingrained in me when I was young, but um, I didn't want to go into debt to go to, go to school. So I went to the first, through the first year, and then I got out of, out of the first year, and I decided I wanted to go back. And I worked for that summer, but I didn't have enough money to go for the whole year. So I was like, well, I'll go for the first semester and then I'll see if I, I'll work through the semester. And I like did everything 
that I could on my own to make enough money to go back to school. The school was, um, they were building a gymnasium at the time, and so they hired me to be a part of the construction crew that was building the gym. And so I did that, but that job was running out around the end of the semester. And so I came home between um, my first semester and my second semester, and I told my parents I wasn't sure if I was gonna go back or not. I didn't have enough money for the second semester and I didn't wanna go into debt to go. And so I, I didn't think I was gonna go back. And my mom said, I don't like that. Let's just pray and see, see what God will do. I was like, okay, well, I'll pray and ask God to provide. So we prayed, and I, I think it must have been a day or two days later, um, I got a uh, letter in the mail. So I opened it up, and it was an envelope um, with no like return address or anything on that, but someone had sent it to me, and it was some money for school and a little letter that said they would send me that amount of money every month. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. And I was like, well, like that's not anywhere near enough money to pay for school, but like God, I'll take that as a sign that you're saying that's what you want me to do. So I kept praying. I was like, Lord, like you have to make a way because this isn't enough money to pay for school. So then a few days later, I got a call from the guy who was like running the construction crew that was building the, um, the gymnasium. And he was supposed to be moving to Virginia Beach. And so he said, he, once he finished up the gymnasium, so he said, well, I decided not to go to Virginia right away. I'm going to stay in the area for at least a few more months, like until summer or something like that. And he said, so I'm going to I'm going to probably set up some jobs and run a construction crew not related to the school. And I wondered if you wanted to work for me again. I was like, OK, sure. So like, cool, like God gave me more provision. He's like, but the thing is, he's like, I can't pay you what I was paying you at school. I was like, OK, he's like, it'd have to be like at least twice as much more than I was paying you there. I was like, wow, cool. So God provided enough for for that semester. And then the following summer I worked and it was a pretty similar situation with my senior year at college as well, um, and where the school decided that they were going to renovate a portion of their building, and they asked me if I would work for them again, so I did that. And it was like the last week of school, and I had to go down and pay my bill before graduation. So I went down to the, um, the person's office who oversees that stuff, and I said, how much do I owe? And he told me, and I wrote him a check and paid off, paid off my bill just the week before graduation. So... It was a huge answer to prayer um, in my life. Um, so how many of you guys like hearing testimonies? You guys like hearing about what God did in someone's life? Um, <clears throat> I would imagine, I, I love hearing testimonies too, but I would imagine that some of you kind of had a feeling inside or maybe a thought in your mind that was like, man, like, I wish I had a story like that, or I wish God would do that in this situation of my life, or in this thing that I'm walking through right now, like, I wish that I had a testimony, or I wish God would move in my life like that. Did anybody think anything like that or feel anything like that? Any takers and a bunch of liars? Okay. Um, so what, what I want to do is um, they say you can't have a testimony unless you walk through a test. And in each of those, each of those stories that you heard, there was, there was a problem. There was a situation that required God to move and do something. And I would imagine that many of you have those similar things in your life. So what I wanted to do to end this morning is just if you're at a place where you're like, you know what, like I need God to move in my life. I have this situation that I need to be resolved or this thing that I've been praying for and I need God to answer this thing. If that's you, what I just want to ask you to do is to stand this morning and then have those that are around 
that person, just lay hands on them, and we're going to pray for um, God to answer the prayers of those people who need a testimony. So if that's you, if you have some situation in your life that been, you've been wrestling with or something you've been crying out to God for, asking him for, just stand to your feet this morning. We're going to pray for you. So if you're, if you're near one of these people, um, the rest of us could just join around these people and just lay hands on them and pray. And we're going to believe God that um, in each of these people's lives that God is going to answer their prayer, um, that they're going to have a testimony that one day they can share about how God was faithful and good and kind. Lord, we thank you so much that you're faithful your faithfulness is not based on our faithfulness. It's not based on us being perfect. It's not based on us doing everything right. You're just faithful because it's who you are. You're good because it's who you are. It's in your nature. You can't help it. You're kind. Lord, you see each one of these people right now who are in, walking through something difficult. These people who need direction. These people who need you to move in their life. And Lord, right now we stand with them and we say, Lord... Let the testimony of our life encourage them. Let the testimonies that they've heard this morning stir their faith that you can move in their life. You see what's going on in each one of their lives and you care. And Lord, I ask that you would do something in each one of these situations that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you care for them, that you love them, you're for them, you're on their side. And Lord, I ask you to bring each one of these people to a place where they'll be able to one day stand and share a testimony to encourage someone else about your goodness and your faithfulness. We stand with our brothers and sisters. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a blessed week.